When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, a quick message from me before your podcast begins because I need a favor from you. Whatever platform that you're watching the Bandwagon podcast on, please like, subscribe, follow, switch on your notifications because it really does make a difference. It allows me to build the audience up and then ultimately get bigger guests on the podcast. And let's all jump on the bandwagon. Let's <laughs> get a little bit of fire then. Welcome to another episode of the Bandwagon podcast. And today is the one, the hundredth episode. And so... I needed something special in order to do this. And I thought, which superstar can I get? And reality kicked in. I just thought I need to go back to the original, the OG, the person who took a chance on me when I first started the podcast. He is the immigration guru, a film star, uh, a podcaster. He's a TV legend and he's everyone's favorite desi, Mr. Hajar Mangle. Oh, welcome. Great to see you, Ricky. And great to, like, once again, be amongst your viewers and listeners. And I'm honoured, man, that we started off on the number one and 100 not out. And that you fought with me on the 100th program. Yeah, because I, I also wanted to um, kind of launch this little bit now. We're doing sort of the live production and get to know people. Because when, when you do it over, uh, over the computer, you can't necessarily sometimes get that. That role game there sometimes. Also, are there any other? That's it. And uh, you know, like, I'm a big fan of live. Huh? So, like, we always uh, do stuff live, whatever I've done is live. And always believe in face-to-face. And personally, I hate Zoom and all that as well. Like, uh, you know, uh, but I hate that sort Because you don't get the feel for it. Yeah. When you talk to someone, you want to be looking at them in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing yeah. their reactions. You want to see, you know, how they sort of react. That's how you sort of gauge it. Yeah, because sometimes you want to be, if you're going to ask a dodgy question, you don't want to be in the same vicinity if they throw a punch. No. That's the only risk of doing this. I'm sure that's never happened to you in well, a, in a hundred episodes. No, no. To be fair, it's been, they've been pretty kind to you so far. So <laughs> yeah. that, that was it, really. Um, You were number one. We did it two years ago. Yeah. We did a Christmas special as well. That's right. And then um, I was actually writing down all the things that have happened in the um, in those two years. Yeah. I'll bring it together. But I'm going to start something that you just recently happened. Okay. And then we'll delve back in. No it. problem at all. You spoke at the Oxford Union. Yeah. Um, just tell me in terms of like, I read your bio on, in, I read your post on Instagram and I just thought, the amount of emotion that it was that was written in there, you could yeah. just you were talking about your story from Romford and how, how yeah. and, and to get to that level. What was that like? It's amazing, man. You grow up in Asian families, and all you hear is Oxford, Cambridge, top unis, Elenia, GCSE, Ganea, all of this throughout. It's a bit more relaxed now, but when we were growing up, there's this pinnacle is everything's education, and then someone like me who comes from a Desi background. 
I talk Punjabi all day, you know, uh, to be invited to Oxford University. And when I went there, you should see the photos on the wall, man. It's like, they, were, they, they produce leaders there. They groom leaders. They, you know, they're world leaders, leaders in medicine, leaders in technology. You know, everyone on the photo on the wall had was a bit, much more bigger achiever than I was. I just got like, wow. First, when I got the email um, from Oxford Union, we would like to invite you to debate. Um, I thought, what? I thought, who's done this? Who's like faked it and put all of that up? Yeah. Then I thought, my head, you are really there, right? Then I didn't reply to the first one. Then they sent one again and said, look, Mr. Mangle, we haven't heard from you. And then I said, all right, we'll pick, we'll pick a date, pick one. And they go, all right, well, how about this in January? They go, it's our first debate of the year. Mm. We want you to be there. Then I went through their website and had a look on their Instagram page. And I thought, who's their last guest who came? And guess who it was? Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks, right? Tom bloody Hanks was their last guest, yeah? And then I had a look and I thought, who's the guest who came for that? President of Malta. I thought, I ain't even president of my own house. <laughs> Let alone Malta, yeah? Right? I can't even get a say in my own household. Right? Then I had to look, who's there? Some guy had invented the OLED screen. There was another, like, you know, world leaders. Um, the Asian one, uh, Pretty Jinta. Right? So she was there. There were, like, people that were there who were huge. And then, um, then I thought, right, let's have a look. Let's debate me coming up. Guess who was, was the next guest after me? Sam Allardyce. And I think Sam. Yeah. And then I thought, right, I'm amongst this sort of company. I mean, I don't deserve to be amongst that sort of company. They're much more... Unstable. Did they just scope you out and just find it? No, like... I asked them. I said, where did you find out? They go, we see you on TV. You're mainstream things. We think you speak, argue well, and we think you make sense, and you're calm and collected. And I thought, yeah, well, first 20 years ago, I was much more savage, right? But um, they go, yeah, we've seen you argue with the likes of Richard Tice, Nigel Farage, Jacob Rees-Mogg, and, you know, um, you've been on Kay Burley's show. And all of the Jeremy Kyle, Vanessa Phelps, yeah, I'm regularly on there. And they go, you know, these are main, this mainstream. Yeah. Then I sat down and I thought, you are a bit mainstream, you know, like, you know, before, is this, you're, you're not being into, like, interviewed on Dissy channels, and you are, I still do, but, um, and I do my own show, but, like, yeah, you've gone from, like, a Southall guy, or a guy born in East London, growing up in Ilford, round about that area in Essex in Agora village, and you've gone like to working in Southwall to, to one room above a pub, you know, wherever it was, right? And um, next to Snowbit Gordala here, and now in West Brom, to like you've gone mainstream. And then when I put my, um, like, then I thought, right, I'm going to Oxford. Then I chatted to a mate of mine and I said, this is, and he owns a, a off license in Coventry in the Gordala area. And um, he goes, oh, you underestimate yourself. And I said, why? He goes, I'll get Gordala coming in. Proper gore from the council estate, and they know who you are. And I'm like, that's my mate. And they're like, oh, you know him? And he goes, yeah. Like, you know, we used to go drinking together and all that. He goes, there's a lot of mainstream out there who know who you are. And I thought, right, okay. And that's where they obviously picked me up from, and they've seen me debate. And so they said, look, we want you to debate this topic of immigration. Do you think the UK is failing immigrants? Yeah. And I thought, well, I can debate that. You know? She'd be then saying, but then I thought, and then I thought, <laughs> And then I had to look at all their videos and see the debate and I saw it was a chamber, like parliament. Mm-hmm. So they've got a mock parliament set up their debating chamber with all the tears and the lectern things. Mm-hmm. 
and that where they take turns to talk each other to dispatch box and all of that, yeah. And they've got the three people sitting in the chairs and all of that. And I thought, bloody hell, right? So I went there and they said black tie. And I thought, all right, bloody hell, black tie suit and tie. I go to Gala Ball, and I'm telling you, it was the most welcoming atmosphere, the, one of the best experiences I had. One, that's the whole atmosphere to be there. Two, they gave me a, a, a student assigned us. He took us a tour everywhere. We had dinner, sat down with all like, the students, the intellectuals. Then they took us to the debating chamber. They looked after us. Right? It, was, it was an amazing experience, big way to start off the year. I did my debate. They loved it. Um, they held a vote, proper did eyes and knives yeah, in yeah. Parliament. So we did won- you win? We won the vote from 220, voted for my argument, yeah. whereas only 40 sort of voted for Richard Tice, who's a leader of reform, who's polling at 12% at the moment. They're polling in the general election. <laughs> so, like, he's a leader of political party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah him and Farage set up the reform yeah. party. Yeah, so I debated him and done really well. The video's coming out next month on their channel, and everyone can watch it and see how I did, and hopefully I did everyone proud. And, but it was, a, you know, it's great to be there, great experience. And for someone like me, to end up at Oxford, man, because this sort of nation in here, the highest I got was Kingston University. Well, we do do like in the club. Definitely. I did proud, man. I'll tell you, I'm going to buy the best. I wish I'd studied more than I did Pongra, but don't worry, it was all part of life. But you know what it is? You know, when, like, I think your friend kind of said it, like, underestimating yourself. We were just talking a little bit before recording of, you know, you were... Uh, on mainstream TV, on Sky, yeah. doing doing your, your TV show with all the clips that, you know, still doing the round on yeah, TikTok, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Then you um, you would be interviewed very early on. I always remember, um, it was either yourself or Ninda Joha on, on TV. Yeah. It, was, it was like, it was alternative, right? But the, think of the different kind of media that be, you've been involved in. Like, do you, obviously you've looked back and reflected on yeah. how far it is. Like, now that you're mainstream, I can't think of another person who represents us the way the way you do. And because of that pressure that's on there, you've almost got to be perfect. You can't really afford escape. Do you feel that pressure? I feel pressure. I'm far from perfect. I'm probably the most fallible person. Yeah, I don't claim to be perfect. I don't want to be perfect, man. I think that's just creating... You set yourself up for a fall, and um, I'm a bit amazed that someone like me. I'm still in that sort of amazed phase, like that I'm doing all of this stuff, yeah. And perhaps I didn't want to do it. Perhaps it was thrust on me. There's a lot of pressure on there, but you, what you got to understand is you can't work like that. You can't function like that. If you worry about what people's opinion of you or people think of you, or if you let that affect you, you'll never grow. You'll never get anywhere. Because you'll be always looking at others and what they think. And you'll be in a cage. You'll be a cage of other people's thoughts. So my style has always been, you know, and I'm, I'm much less savage with it now than what I was. Yeah. So I've always been balanced and always try and tell the truth. I always say what you lot are thinking at home. Mm. The difference is you're thinking it, right? You can discuss between yourselves. I'm on a live screen in front of a microphone. Exactly. So I blurt it out. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I'm like, we don't try and hide it or sugarcoat it or bangy bangy it or buggy buggy it. We say it as it is. And that's sort of the mantle that people know her job for. They go, right, you know what? You say it as it is. And I said, well, how many other ways is there of saying it? Why do I would not want to speak the truth? But that also follows the kind of the talk TV model, isn't it? Which is obviously they're a bit clickbaity. Yeah, of course. And the way that they, you know, over 
they talk over each other you know it's who shouts aloud it's not necessarily the best argument yeah and you were already creating that kind of content back in the day now before social media and tiktok and instagram kind of went in that format that really gave you advantage in that as well wasn't it yeah i think doing live tv definitely did i'll tell you what gives me an advantage the advantage is i sit here and see people some of them in genuine trouble but some of them trying to cheat the system play the way yeah and you have to call them out on it that gives you a great vision Seeing Apane Bande 20 years, every day, gives you a great vision. So now we get to the stage where if someone walks in, I sort of know, I can second guess, you need to have this, this, and this ready, yeah? And it's very rarely that someone surprises me, yeah? And so then that gives you the sort of intuition. That's how you should be in your work, that you should know your stuff, swallow the Bibles on them, should be able to, someone's got a problem, right, this is your solution, this is your solution. Mm-hmm. And so that, and up and they would want to sit there and argue. And they'd want to prove their wrong points to be right. And they'd want to say, yeah, go on, say that's right. Say me doing a fake marriage with a body is right. And I'd say, I'd never say that. Mm-hmm. Or say me having a baby just to get a visa is right. Yeah, or say me doing a fake marriage here and then having my real wife back home, that's all right or me running off with a 15-year-old is right. How can we sit there and justify that? But that's what they wanted in that community uh, to an extent. And then I would sit there and say, no, that's wrong. And so that's where I developed to argue and to learn that and speak it out and call it out, call stuff out. Essentially, I do, that's what I've been doing. I've been calling a lot of stuff out for the recently and before. I used to call out all the scams and we still do. And now with uh, different programs like Crime Watch, DC Crime Watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like... Um, really hit it off this month yeah so so like um with that we we call it out and when i got i remember I, when i got invited first on to um it all started it all started off from birmingham stratford road mm. my first radio show was on stratford road with a guy called raj gang and jatinda and they ran a 28-day license from the godara called radio nangana and yes, I remember that. Right, so the, and that was about 1999, <laughs> yeah. about that. So think of all them years ago, right? And about 25 years ago. And um, they actually said, right, why don't you just come on and talk about law and immigration? So I just came on. I used to work, live in Stratford Road in them days, above the Mushtaks mm-hmm. near the post office, right? <laughs> so I still remember it, man. Right, so um, uh, I went on the radio station because uh, um, Stratford Road is my local Gordara. And uh, we just started talking about immigration. All the phone lines started flashing. And like people started asking questions. And we went through like an hour like that. And they said, why don't you come back next week? Because like, and I said, all right, I'll come back next week. So we, I did three or four shows on that every week. And that's my first interactive with life with callers, where people could phone up and ask anything. I remember it's a local radio show, so yeah. it's a whole Disney set up, yeah? And um, 28-day license, yeah? Only with a, like a mile or two radius. But it was so popular and live, and I had to give an answer straight away. People on live TV, people don't sit around and say, does he book about love him and that's the yeah, 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 yeah. They want their answer. It's testing your knowledge as well. Yeah, and then so I realised, right, for a job, you want to do this next week and come back, you better know your stuff, bro. Right, so then I... Read, 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 read education. Started off on that. From there, I went on to um, a radio station called Radio XL. Yeah, right. I used to work on it. Oh, there you go. I used to call, um, used to basically do the Pongara show, co-host it, well, to kind of more of a worker with Polytank. 
Oh, really? Yeah, so okay. just after there was Cash and Polly. Yeah, that's right, Cash, Cash and Polly. Cash, Cash went, and then it was Polly wow. on his own, and then I was in the background. So I used to do a show with Vicky, Vicky Gill. Yes. So, and uh, me and him would banter really well. Yeah, yeah, he's a funny geezer. He's a funny geezer. Yeah. He's a bit saucy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, yeah. yeah, so me and him would banter really well, and you know, um, in Hindi and in Punjabi, yeah. And then once again, that had a massive response because at that time, say 2003, three, four. Yeah, we're, I was at the same time. Oh, Radio XL was massive. Yeah. yeah. Right? It was massive. It was like the Sunrise Radio of Birmingham. Yeah. Right, so it was huge. There was no competition. There was none of these local stations right. around here. Asia Network wasn't, wasn't here. Yeah. From there, I started doing um, a channel. When I came back to London, I uh, started doing a TV channel called uh, Vectone. So Vectone, which turned into Lashkara. So I did a show there. And what that, that was my first time doing a show without a host. So what happened was there's a camera there, yeah? They sat me in front of it, they put an earpiece in, and they said, right, people are going to phone you for an hour and do job then in English from there. Right? And it's called Law and You, yeah? And uh, so I just did that, started doing that for about a year. And then uh, after that, um, I started doing, uh, in 2007, a program on MATV. So then I transitioned to that to MATV. And then obviously, then around about that time, YouTube came and people started ripping my clips off and putting yeah, it on YouTube. Yeah. Well, it used to be on what, uh, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. It started coming in. That's where it used to be. The little, That's your, right. your video used to go there. Yeah, yeah. It used to go viral. And I used to get people sending it to me. I was like, buddy, have you seen this? And I said, of course I've seen it. I'm in it. And they go, I'm on, in it, talking. They go, I'm on the film with the like, what? And so I started seeing all of that. A lot of the clips with the YouTube accounts, they're not even my accounts. So my account's called Hajar Bunga. Like all the others, Legal Solutions UK, they're not mine, and I still don't know who runs them. Right. Seriously? Yeah, I don't know. Like, Can't you put in, like nowadays, you can put in a claim against it. I don't know why. I'm a vakil. I deal with claims all day, bro. I don't want to do my spare time. But the rest can do. It's all about the views, though. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and they were racking up views, like 40,000 views, like 60,000 views. And I thought, Maybe, I ain't even like got credit for none of these. It's just my bull tie out there. But that's what made me go like international in yeah. the Desi community. Yeah. So the Canadians, Australians, Americans up there, um, all started New Zealand, like, all started looking at that. Okay. And from there, um, the BBC Asian Network picked me up. So the house producers um, phoned up and said, we've seen you, we want you on the house show. So I started doing the immigration good with, uh, with Asian, with Nihal, on BBC Asian Network once a month. I did that for 13 years with Nihal, and Nihal moved to Radio 5. Mm. And then I did it a little bit with um, Nomi Iqbal, Kasa Alam, Amal Rajan. Then after that, you know, I thought I'd jump. When the Asian Network was having us all um, overhaul, it's become a bit of an Asian fight radio on extra now. Yeah. Um, but in that days, it had serious content and yeah, yeah, serious yeah. hard hitting shows. And, and how I don't know. There was a lot of a talk, especially they used to get themselves in trouble with some of the, yeah, yeah. the topics that they used yeah. to get into. But, um, so then I did that, and then I thought, yeah, your era's gone here. But from there, obviously, the BBC, I used to be in the BBC studio, so they picked me up on BBC News, Sky News. And then it all kicked off, man. And then recently, most recently, so for the last four or five years, Talk TV, Times Radio. Um, LBC. Yeah, everyone's favourite, GB News. Yeah. <laughs> LBC, yeah. right. And uh, Radio 5. And all of these sort of... And then I remember, like, there were some big hosts, like Kay Burley's a big name. Yeah. So, like, Scary. Bro, bloody hell. And like, when you go in to talk to Kay Burley, she went, oh, the hell, all the she goes, bang, straight into the questions. Right? And then Jeremy Kyle... 
And I thought, I grew up like watching a lot of yeah. people. Uh, people like um, on um, TV, like James Well, Ian Collins. James so Well, when I was at uni, right? I used to talk sport. I used to listen to James Talk sport, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, so nighttime shows used to be James Well, uh, Ian Collins and the Creatures of the Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because, and because we'd stay up all night trying to do our play, right, and sleep in the day. So I didn't used to get up till about when Neighbours was on, about five o'clock, right? Well, the friends of the so, afternoon show. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> and then, so then we'd, um, like, so then I'd, like, and then I was like, James, wow, man, I grew up listening to you, yeah? And, like, Ian Collins, like, you cool dude, I grew up listening to you, Carol McGiffin, all these sort of people. And then, yeah, now I'm mainstream and arguing with them. And I think there's, I'm glad you give me the opportunity to talk about this, I'll tell you why. Because there's a lot of sides to Hajar Bungal. Yeah, and people only know the side that they see or they want to see. Yeah, so people only see, oh, Hajjapan is a laugh. Yeah, he, or he's a savage one, or he's a desi on TV. The YouTube immigration guy, as they call me in Canada. Yeah, that's I actually went to Canada and someone said to me, Are you the YouTube immigration guy? And I said, Yeah, for want of a better phrase. <laughs> and they actually thought that I was playing a character, and that was like, I've just like a just rain type comedy skit. My show was, and I said, no, I'm a real lawyer. These are real callers. And they're like, wow, I'm amazed. Right? And then um, and then there's always a serious side. People forget I'm a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. As well, right? So I practice law, and I help people get their residency. I do human rights law, yeah? So that's a big side to me because people don't see me in court, or I don't put photos of myself in court and publicize me, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or publish that side of it. And, you know, because that side's very, we have client confidentiality, we've got to keep it a secret. But you, you do have that side where you, you've got Sikhs in law as well, isn't yeah, it? So that's a, another side that people can visibly see you that and, and how you're operating from there as well. Yeah, because then we thought, well, hold on, let's do something to um, encourage the youngsters who want to do law, and let's show them that, you know, this is what being a lawyer is about, and this is what it is. So Baldeep, um, when he set that up, well, look, then he invited me on and a couple of others, and then we've been with him and helped him be vocal and set this organisation up, and it's done really well. So you, you look, you scrutinise the the uh, yeah, that's it, the Bloom that's report. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's a big task. And people are like. A job? What's a job doing there? Was he cracking the jokes? Actually, you know, it wasn't a job was taking it apart because that's my day job. Yeah. And the fact is, I don't need to show you my day job because that's not for clicks and likes. Trust me, if you sat here and watched what I did in a day, you wouldn't be clicking or liking it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And social media has its own persona. We know what sells on social media and what is social media is all about. When I watch social media, I don't want to watch someone doing their job. I want to watch someone having a laugh. I watch it to enjoy myself and to come out of reality, yeah? And that's what other people do. So then that's, there's that sort of side of it. Then people forget I'm a family man, yeah? So they might see me about at events, hosting events and dancing and at clubs and all that, at gigs, yeah? yeah. And then say, now they say, uncle, what are you doing here? And I said, well, hey, look, man, at least you ain't got grease. Oh, man, I have. I just, I just <laughs> oh, listen, you got it for that. <laughs> well, listen, there's another thing, which I'll tell you, you're going to remember what I've said. Whatever God doesn't give you, a doctor can. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so people don't see that sort of stuff. But for me, and I think one of the someone came up to me and they sort of summed it up. They said, "They said, buddy, do you know what you are?" And I said, "No, what am I?" And they said, "I said, be gentle and kind." They go, "You're the bridge between the older generation and the younger generation." That's my that was my next that was my next point. But I was trying to think. It was like. You're like the Gadas Martin in a concert. You've got, <laughs> well, not, not everything Gadas yeah. but you've got all those different audiences from a young yeah. all the way to old, and you you always give kind of like the relatable things from it. Yeah. How Do you consciously make a decision of how you 
interpret how do you give information out is it because you you, live, you know you talked about your dad quite, yeah. quite often and then you've got to kind of break down stuff and give him that information is it, is that the advantage yeah well my mum and dad they still don't speak english yeah they yeah. came over in the 60s yeah and so we had to learn Punjabi or I had to learn Punjabi and then I had to read and write it and learn how to communicate it by the time I was 11 12 I was writing out checks and corresponding with the council and so like I knew that I was quite switched on like that and then I just sat about and I knew my language, yeah, so I know how to communicate with elders. So when I started my show, it was meant for the immigrant community. I didn't think no one English speaking would need to watch my show. They don't need visas, bro. You don't need a visa. Why should you be watching my show? Then I would get people messaging me on Facebook and saying, Hajar, we watch your show. And I said, why are you watching my show? They go, our mum and dad were watching it. And between seven and eight on a Friday, we can't get the remote control of them. So we started watching the show and we quite liked it. It's quite good. And with this one show that we can sit there and watch with our family. And then I had some people say, can you give a shout out to my eight-year-old? I said, what the heck is your eight-year-old doing on a Friday night watching my show? She should be watching Mickey Morse and all that. You know? <laughs> yeah? And Goofy and all of that. And they go, no, no, they watch it as well. They like it. So then I started doing a few shout outs to the kids. And the kids, they go, no, I loved it. And they would like go to school and say, I've got a shout out on TV. And Rajab uncle shouted me out. And I was like, well, great. So I've got three generations there. Children's entertainer. We've got to have that on. I need to write that one down. We've got three generations watching my show. And I suppose that's why it's become cult sort of classic. Yeah. And what are the ingredients? It's always been simple. It's a camera, me, and an earphone. That's all it is. And I've kept it from day one. I've got no budget, zero budget. As you know, Asian media, zero budget, zero tech quality. Yeah. I have a green screen behind me. Yeah. And uh, who, who, who picks the background? Because some of the backgrounds that you oh, had. Oh, man. The, the, the production so team. So my production team is usually some guy from India, which I work in 20 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm always like, oh, I can't go out. But yeah, I'm a player. So many of you have been hired this week. And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I said oh, I haven't got time to argue with you. It's a Friday night. Yeah. I spent all week arguing with immigrants. And you're the last person I want to argue with. So I just went with her. But I suppose it does show if your content's good. It doesn't matter what your surroundings are. Yeah. You can sell it. So then I started getting cult watchings and I saw my viewings go up. And then, wow, you know, from there, like I said, it's all, all interactive. But yeah, I found that I was a bridge. I'd get a lot of um, olders coming in with their people around my age or a little bit less saying, Hajab, in Anusamjah, what we're trying to say and all that. And I sort of end up like a family counsellor. Half my job is family counselling. And it's like saying, look, in here, Dagan, look, bro, this is what your mum and dad are trying to say. This is it. Yeah. This is the situation. I, my situation is, I live with my mum and dad. I have yeah. to manage everything. You need to, and they're like, oh, okay, Hajab, you know. So it's all like a solving problems, family sort of problem. But you couldn't go to like family events or people used to watch you to go to the toilet in order to get their, the, yeah, yeah. to get their cases out and you're know, giving case files and to have that little chat with them. We went to a wedding in Coventry once. I don't know if you was there, but there's quite a few people there. There's quite a few people from the music industry there. Like Amon Hair, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Kaka and, you know, that <laughs> lot, right? They were all there. And um, I went to the wedding and I sat at a table and I was eating my roti and this one guy comes up to me, all sitting there having a drink and roti comes up to me and goes, Pajapa, you know, And he goes, and I said, oh, that's good. Right? And he goes, oh, and he pulled out a 300-page file. I'm like, everyone's looking at me on the table so like, thinking, does this happen to you a lot? And I said, yeah, this happens to me a lot, but I don't expect it at weddings and stuff like that. And I've had people like, wait till I've gone to the toilet. 
same thing. People heard the clip where, you know, someone's, and I'm doing my bit. ที่ก็ไปสลาดเลยนี่นะสิสลาดได้เนี่ยเห็นไหมที่ไปเชียร์เนี่ยนี่ตัดเชียร์ไปเนี่ยเดี๋ยวเดี๋ยวเดี๋
So I went straight up to the front desk and I said, I'll gas you under you. And she goes, John, done a machine dead yard there. So they took me into a cubicle, put me on an ECG. And she goes, looks all right to me. And like, if the doctor goes, no, it's fine. Your ECG's reading is fine. And I thought, yeah, thank God. And I said, what's this gas? He goes, probably indigestion. But he goes, where is it? And I said, it's about here. And he goes, oh, I'm going to have to take your bloods. And I said, why is that? And he goes, because you've said you've got a chest pain. We'll have to take your bloods. He goes, probably nothing. Right, so he took my blood test. And I'm laying there with my phone mucking about um, in A&E. Half an hour later, in front of my cubicle, I see about three or four doctors and some nurses who are huddled there. And they're talking fast and they're talking about, and they're talking about me. And right, then I heard a word that they dropped called troponin. And then I thought, right, let me Google it. I'm sitting on bed and I Google troponin and it says enzyme released while heart's under attack. Now when I read that, I thought, what? And they go, this troponin's high and all that. You now we've got to do something. Doctor came in and I said, doctor, what's, what's up? And he goes, there's something wrong with your heart. I said, you better fix it. I've got to pick my door up at two o'clock. He said, Job And it was a uh, white guy, but this is what his Punjabi translation was. He said, You better call who you need to call. And when he said that, I said, What do you mean? I said, That's what you say to people when they're about to die. Or they're going for life threatening stuff. He goes, We're going we're gonna to operate on you. We're going to do surgery on you. You've been having a heart attack for two days. If you hadn't come in in the next 12 hours, you would have been one of them stories where people hear, or they on the street. He goes, that would have been you. Oh, I'm fucking in shock. My God, my French. I was like, what the heck? Also, you know, in your daily life, yeah? You can't live without your phone. I can't yeah. live without mine. It's here, right? It'll dull to be now like again, right? You probably do as well. They do as well. Don't lie. You do. I know you do, right? Right? Car keys, watches, clothes we worry about, right? We worry about work, yeah? Going to work tomorrow. Worry about going about my mates on a Friday night, Saturday night, yeah? Bills, pressures, all of that we worry about. That's what we worry about. Our property, houses, rent, all of that stuff, yeah? That's what is in our daily mind. At that point, I didn't give a shit about anything. All I thought was, I'll be happy. I just want to see sunrise tomorrow. I called my dad, he came running, yeah? My mum couldn't come because my little one was only one. So she had to stay at home. So I thought, right, I'm not going into operating theatre without talking to my mum. The next conversation I had with my mum straight away, so I thought, a WhatsApp, a voice, um, sorry, video caller. A video caller. It was the most awkward conversation I had without saying any words. I couldn't get any words out. I didn't know what to tell her. I just said, mum, and I started crying. And she started crying. And I didn't know what to say. And for about eight minutes, I remember it was about eight minute call. And I didn't say anything. And I was just crying and I thought, what can I say? And she was just crying and... She got, and then, yeah, Did she have an inkling of what was going on? Yeah, because yeah, dad, dad, dad had to leg it to the hospital, didn't he? So, like, she's obviously, when dad legged it to the hospital, she said, why are you going to the hospital? And he goes, ah, oh, yeah. And he goes, you know, it was all panic station. My kids were only six and one at the time. Mm. All I kept on thinking, they're going to be finished. This world is going to eat them alive. That's the thought that was going through my head. And I didn't know what to say to my mum. I felt as if I'd let my whole family down. Mm. And I felt so ashamed. Of, what are you doing here, Job, in this hospital, having a heart attack at the age of 44? Yeah? Next thing I know, they put me under, operated, I've got cut there, right through They cut me open like a buckler. And um, I will bypass and everything, yeah? So I remember waking up 
in like intensive care. They keep me there for one day. And I was on morphine, all drugged out, man. It was a wicked nusher. But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so, um, uh, but um, then they moved me to a ward. In that ward, I don't think there's anyone under the age of 65. And I was 44. And they were looking at me. And they were going, um, what are you doing here? I said, I had a heart attack. I have a double bypass. They go, this age. Like the other patients were. And I said, yeah. And um, I was there for 10 days. And I'll tell you something, when you're laying down, looking at a ceiling for 10 days, it's a long time to think. Mm-hmm. And I remember the most poignant moment, and I'm going to remember it till I die, yeah, was my daughter came to see me. And I must have had about 50 wires hanging out of me and all the pole and all that points, you know, mm-hmm. needle stuck here, corn here, and everywhere, drips here. And cut here, like all the XXX, like that being a stitchy deal. And she got so scared, I could see it. And I said to my wife, I said, don't ever bring her here again. Don't bring her here to see me. Because, and all daughters will know this, your hero is your dad, especially for daughters. For sons, maybe a little bit less, but sons are more attached to their mums, but that's what I think. But for your daughters, it's definitely their dad. And when you see your hero in a hospital bed, helpless, the guy who you think is your hero, you get scared. And I felt, once again, I thought, this is no state for her to see me. I don't want her in 10 years' time to remember dad was there like that. So I literally said to myself, I said, take her away. I don't want her to come and see me. I will will come home, then we'll see her. I don't want her to, you know. And I felt so emotional. I was carrying all of that emotional baggage around me. When I was in hospital, I think only about maybe eight to ten people came to see me. So, Udna, I get 50 people asking for advice, so I don't even know. But at that time, I was, and to be fair, I was like, it's not something you want to do. But when I was leaving hospital, I had so much emotion built up in me. That the, the person, my friend, who came to collect me, that um, I said to her, make a video. Yeah, because what happened was my friend was visiting me, and Kudati, they said, you can go home. So I said, my daddy, right. So um, then I thought, well, I've got to make this video. I've got to get these things off my chest. So then I did that video, took it off my chest, and told everyone, look, stop being pub heroes. Stop neglecting yourself. But I'll tell you how I neglected myself. I know how I ended up in there. Since uni, I left uni, to the age of about, like, at least, I would say, about 38, 39. Six days a week, I was eating out. Yeah, you know, let's go, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go out. And we've done it ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Bottle, yeah, when you've got a curry, bottle, jello, kecho, kecho, hardhakaro, yeah. No exercise, no gym at all. You think you're Superman, yeah. I used to weigh about 130 kilograms. I'm on about 105 now. I want to get down to about 92. But that's another aspect of But then, you know, and I was like, this is where I've ended up as a result of self-neglect. And the other thing, work, 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 work. Share them, suffer them, work, work, work. It wasn't until I had kids that I decided to slow life down a little bit. Come, 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 come. Sat, 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 working, trying to make 
my place in society, trying to do the TV, the radio, everything, what we've talked about so far, yeah. doing all of that, because all of that takes time. Yeah. When you go to a TV studio, you think, people think that you just automatically, and it can't have a journal like that in London, it can't on And the editing, we were talking about it. Ah, <coughs> oh, bro, don't even talk about the editing. So we're shooting this, this is the easy part, yeah. last lot. He's got to go home and edit this. This is going to probably take a week. <laughs> if you want to do it to a proper standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, this is, um, no one sees that. Nah. Right. It's, meant, and it's just, it's just, everyone sees the destination, but not the journey and everything you do. Yeah. Especially if you do the success. No one sees that destination. No one sees the roads that you travel on. So then I thought, right, I need to get this message out. And I need to tell everyone. If they think they've got gas, you better get to the hospital and check it out. Right. I put the video out. That video went for-, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Viral, even the BBC picked up on it, Radio 4, the Gordia Channel 4, so they started interviewing about it. But more importantly, in our community, it went viral on the WhatsApps and yeah, all that, yeah. right? I got messages, and I still got them on my phone, where people have sent them, saying, we were coming home from a wedding, me and my dad, yeah? And he said he got a pain in the chest. He goes, I remembered your video, and I took him straight to Bristol Royal Infirmary, and he goes, he was having a heart attack. And if it hadn't been for your video, we would have perhaps gone, we were going to the pub after the wedding, we'd have had a few more glasses. I thought, wow, that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. But I also had other messages saying, Hajar, you're the lucky one. Okay, my brother was waiting in A&E and he collapsed there while he had a pain in the chest and he didn't get up. And another, another girl, I remember she saying, my dad went to sleep with a chest pain at 10 o'clock, never woke up in the morning. I'm like, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So I just thought, you know what, Hajar, you could have been another one of them cases. But at least let's get the message out there. At least tell our people, especially who are mid-aged like me who think we're infallible. You know, like, um, I think that's a nookie on her. Some to go to you until we're 65, 70. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, there's nothing you can do about it. And when you're in that bed, when you are in that bed, nothing else that you worry about daily will matter. All that will matter, yeah, is that you want to see the sunrise the next morning. That's all that will matter. You want to see your parents' face. You want to see your partner's face. You want to see your kid's face. That's all you want to feel. And when you're in a hospital bed, there's no helpless place to be because you're in the hands of professionals. Yeah. And then that's when you wish that you got a professional who knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was it was one that got my my cogs in my head thinking quite a lot because one of my pet things is you know my background's around drugs and alcohol. Yeah, and stuff of course. Like. Yeah. And twenty years ago, we saw the cocaine game coming into. the in the upper market, yeah. yeah, yeah, and now we've got people my age, 40 odd, who are been doing coke for 20 years. It kind of went away and it's come back with a vengeance now, yeah. especially, especially if did you it go Canada. away or did, or did, did we everyone turn a blind eye? No, I think what happened was, or did people just get clever at hiding it? I, I think a lot of those people, after they've gone the wedding scene, it kind of everyone's married, yeah, and then now the second wedding, then their kids are getting married, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. So now, what what yeah. we're seeing toilet cubicles always exactly. Clean. And so when you mix that up with you know back like parents and things like that, they used to 
They never had Nando's. They never had this. They was like roti. They knew where their food came from. Now we got desi diets. Mixing it with coke now. It's moved from weed from, you know, what used to be done back then. It still does now, but but not as visible. And I think now we're starting to see those 40-year-olds, those mid-30s. I've just been in London this weekend and uh, met up with a, a cousin. And they were saying three 30-year-olds that they know of are, had to have, have had heart operation with stents already. And... We're starting to see now the young the younger people having heart attacks, and in our in our community, I think we're just at the start of this big wave that's yeah. going to come through now. Yeah. All that coke, all that thing is just going to come and just going to hit us. You're going to hear more and more about it. I, I've definitely Maybe experienced that's what it is when I see fit people have heart attacks, and then I'm thinking, wow, man, this guy's like, yeah. It, it's always in the it's always simmering in the back of my head. We've got the this he's got the worst body. Worse at metabolizing fat, yeah. diabetes. Worse diet. Yeah. And what are wedding, diabetes? What, what, what about our uh, weddings? What's it designed? In six hours, we're going to give you a three-course meal, and we're going to give you every every booze available in six hours. And you've got to dance, so get your heart rate up. And outdoor catering. Yeah, let me tell you about this. That person sees it as a business. They've got to make the biggest profit margin. If you think they're going to put stuff in their food, which is nutritious for you, you're having a laugh. So they're going to try and make the sustiest way and sell it for the most manga price that they can. Yeah, there's nothing really going to be that beneficial in you. Mm -hmm. If you can stick to grilled stuff, perhaps you're a lot better, but curries and stuff like that. I've done bread before you go to the bro, party. Bro, you're asking for it. <laughs> your boy London before you go. But yeah, so it's like our diet, and like you said, mixing it with stuff, you're asking for it. You're going to end up... Listen, you, if we don't sort it out, you will end up where I was. And trust me, I'm lucky I got out. Yeah? But there's a lot of people that haven't been lucky. You'll be dead. And trust me, when you're dead, finish game. It is literally game over. You will die and leave all your troubles heaped on your loved ones. They are the ones who suffer. Your game's over. Yeah, if I'd have died, my game would have been over. Wouldn't, I wouldn't have given two shits about what happens the next day. I'm going to pull the money out, more kids, you know what I mean? But the, uh, yeah. but the fact is, it's all about, what about my parents, elderly parents, in their 80s? What about my kids, who were six and one? Yeah, what about my wife, who would have had to do all of this on her own? Yeah? This is all crazy. This is all crazy. What's the point of you going to work, making these big, big companies and big, big business, if you're going to eat and drink yourself to death? Or end up in hospital beds at the age of forty, and that's what sort of I thought at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the point? We, you know, the movement was to obviously bring enough attention on this whole area. Yeah, you know, we we know people who influence. And you and you've been doing this stuff for a long time. Yeah, so I, I've like, come out with yeah. you know I've said what I'm going to say. I wish I'd listened to you at that time. I really wish I'd I. I wish I listened to myself a little yeah, bit. Yeah. A little bit, you know. Ah, you're still good. But, yeah, but if you, I wish you, we'd listen to people like you. But at that time. No one, people don't, our community are like, nah, sorry. If, right, if, you, if you want to see where it's going to go, if you look at the Punjab and the, the drug rates and stuff like that, it, it's all there. All the signs that it shouldn't come as a shock. We're not that far off. No, we're, oh, we, by far. Mm -hmm. I've just been to Canada a few times. Honest to God, I think yeah, there's yeah. only about less than 5% of everyone just not on coke. It, it is horrific. They're a bit too much out. Oh, they're ridiculous. But it is what it is. Yeah. My, my bit was to say, right, how do we get support? So, when we did the original interview, I did an interview in this room uh, about 2013, 2014. 
And in there, I asked you a bunch of questions, yeah. and I dug it out, and it's never been kind of polished within there. <laughs> Interestingly, we came up with the same point, which we both agreed on, which was, we've got so many Sikh charities there, yeah. got all this money. Yeah. Okay, we are not going to stop people who are specialising in doing um, lungers or doing bike rides or doing whatever, because that's their, that's their thing. That's Fair a, enough. That's a USP. Right. But surely, if we design, how many um, pharmacists, GPs, if we created a health framework, you know, you've just done one with Sikhs in law, yeah. and just Sikhs in health, yeah. for example. Yeah. And just say, there is now. Someone's just started a Sikhs in health game. There we go. Yeah. So if we set up a framework, yeah. created rehabs, open for all, based on the, the principles, also around health, bringing in, everybody gives 10% into this other pot. You can still kind of do what you're doing, then at least we've got kind of an offstead or some kind of panel that looks at and say, what are we hitting? Because there's no point in fighting for all the causes that are out there if we're not, if the next generation is not healthy or hasn't got an idea about the uh, about health. Right, since we spoke in that room in 2014, mm. I've been on a mission, yeah, to and I've thought about that every day, yeah, and I thought, right, where are our community hubs? And what are they doing? And what are our so-called community leaders and all of that doing? And the answer was, not much. Yeah, Our community hubs are based near Gordwaras, in the biggest ones. Yeah? They're the ones with the biggest income from donations. Yeah, They're the ones who technically then should have the responsibility, if they're getting money for the public, to spend it on the public. Yeah? And to create these sort of um, welfare centres. Yeah, well, we can't trust everything to the government. What are we doing to clean our own backyards? So looking at that... Um, Jagraj Singh is no longer with us from Basics of Sikhi. I remember I interviewed him. Then after an interview, I st we sat down together and I said, Jagraj, we've got to change what's going on here. There's so much money available, especially like in South or West London, God knows. Why isn't it not being spent? Where's our projects on all of this helping the community? You know? Helping the homeless, helping the um, people who are addicted to alcohol, you know? helping our children. Yeah? We, we haven't even got education classes and all that. Yeah? So then we said, we both decided, we said, yeah, the, the way these systems work is democratic. And we have to set up a party of our own and fight the elections. And I said, right, let's do it. And I said, I can't be running. I'm not in Sikhi's rule. And I, was, I said, I'm the worst Sikh there ever is. I'd eat, drink, yeah, I'd do everything that I'm not supposed to do. Cut my hair. And I said, don't look at me, bro. And he goes, yeah, I can't be the forefront of it. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go into the community, we'll find youngsters, professionals who are up for it, and we'll set up a party. The first year we fought the Southwell election, in 2000, I think it was, 14, we got four, only four people, we were supposed to have 21 people, we had four, yeah? We still got about 500 votes, people didn't take us seriously, yeah? Um, we got 500 votes. The next election, we managed to get our 21 people, and we split the committee. So we split the committee, we split the votes, so we got about 1,200 votes. It was brilliant. This election, we combined with our elders, and we won. And now, since the last two years, we have been putting places in South, into place in South of Gordara, in Singh Sabah Sultan, which we have two Gordara, one on Gurnanak Road, which is called Havelock Road, and one on Park Avenue, and we are doing community-based projects. So I'll tell you what we've done. We've done a children's library in um, Gurnanak Road, Gordara. We are the, one of the first Godola, if not the first Godola, to do send classes for send children. 
we have so special needs children, we have special classes for them. Mm -hmm. You don't even get that at school. Yeah. Then we've got a toddler's club for little kids at the Gordon. Yeah. Then we've got a homework club for the kids. People usually just have Punjabi classes or double R classes. That's what you hear about, right? Yeah. We go the extra mile. Then we have a women's group where they meet up. So, um, cause, uh, corner, I think it's called, or, um, so we have that. Then we have a male group for our elders where we've got a bit of land at Norwood Hall. They come and do their um, gardening. They do other activities, exercise. Um, they can do yoga there. Yeah. So all supervised classes. Yeah. There's a doctor there where they, you can get your health checked. So all during the day, there's free doctor there, health project. We've got that going on. Yeah. A gardening project, like I said. Yeah. If you want your form filled out, like a benefit form or any help like that, We've got all of that there. That's at Shugo Singh Summer Southall. Now, the centre classes, yeah, was such a great example. The United Nations invited us and used us, Southall Gordara, as an example and said, this is how it should be. This is how all our religious institutions should be doing that. That's using committee money or um, public money to put back into the community, to put back into our local hubs, yeah? Not saving it for a rainy day with 10 million in the bank. Huh? Not doing stuff that 50 other charities do. Yeah? Not competing. That who can do this the best and putting clicks and likes. Yeah? And photos like that. You won't see that. You're on our South or Sugar Things Have a Soul Tongue Instagram page. is the only place we post it. And you'll see me sharing a lot of stuff. That's all for the benefit of the South as well. Yeah? So with transparency. Yeah? No... For the first time in our committee of 21, we have four females, three of them are young mothers. So, born and bred here. Yeah? Then we've got youngsters. We've got at least eight, nine youngsters on the committee. By youngsters, I mean people under 40. Not like people who are 65 and they up up I've seen some Gordwara in the Midlands. They call you parties that it should be... Mate, they're 75-year-olds and they're still youth. And they call themselves youth. And I'm like, if you're youth, then that means I've been born yesterday. You know? Like, uh, and what's happened is, our institutions, they've skipped two generations. Mm. Your generation and my generation have been skipped, yeah? And now our youngsters are being skipped. Yeah? Even people in their 60s have been skipped. So, so been skipped. Now, when are we going to hand over this power? That's what... No, the Gurdwara doesn't belong to anyone. It belongs to the Guru. So what you're supposed to do is do your term, hand it over to the next generation. But these people hang on to it as if it's their own private. But don't office. you see that in when you're doing the immigration cases, especially when you've got land ownership in, yeah, in yeah. India, where people just say, you'll go to your, your, your grandparents or you'll go to your parent and say, oh, you know, Dad, what's the, what's the plan for the land? Why are you saying that to me? And then all of a sudden, the worst case scenario happens and everyone's just scratching around, what do we do? Do with it now. Well, unfortunately, everyone has to wait for the old man to die. And then what happens is usually a scratch. And what happens is a uh, scrap. And then what happens is your Rishnar India, he just dubs it all anyway and for free. And then when you go over and say, you never want to go to India again in your whole life. And you go, weeks if you go there. Why would someone give you 500 grand's worth of land free when they can get you killed for 50,000 rupees. <laughs> right, exactly. That's where this is all going to end up. So I spent two years 
doing programs, explaining to the elders, and this is where bridging the gap comes in, saying, listen, elders, when you came over here, you consciously made a decision to leave that all that land behind and all of that, yeah? When you had your kids here, you know, they might go, go back. I go India six times a year, yeah? Not even I'm confident. And I've got links from the top guy at the top to the, like, prime minister to the lowest guy to the guy who shines shoes, yeah? I know everyone. All the police officers in between, I know everyone out there because of the nature of what I do. Who doesn't want to know a guy who does visas out there, right? Everyone does, yeah? Right, so even I don't feel confident in thinking, right, I can deal with the system out here or the people out here. That's how it is. If someone who hasn't been to India for 20 years goes and tries to claim a bit of land out there and they've got some greedy relatives who've been farming that land for 20 years for free, do you think they're going to give it up for free? And that land, let's just say it's worth a million quid. What's the alternative? I don't get someone whacked for a luck of a beer. And you call someone from UP or Bihar, an underage kid, they'll put two bullets in your head, job done. Yeah? Or... If we don't even want to go that far and think, okay, I don't I hate my cousins to kill them, then what you do is you pay the tiny guard off about 100 grand and you say, you see, my cousin, and then he'll go, and you will shit yourself in there in the system and you will leg it back and you won't want to go India again, all your kids. So then what that's, I convinced everyone, and that's where I started from, in the gym. I started in a gym with all the boys. Anyone there back in the gym? I sat there and I used to say, go, well, what are you doing? there. what about your kids? And then we sat down and then I took about two years to convince them and they were right. And then I used to show them examples. Or then I let double year. Or then I let double year. And then they realised that, Hajab, you're right. We chose to make this decision. We have to be the ones that bear the burden. What happens is they like to pass the buck. Yeah, I would love to do my maji if someone bloody lets me know how to read the deeds for a start or find a patwari or who do I sell it to. I'm only going to go out there for two weeks on a holiday. They know that. I'm not going to get a good rate for it. And after I leave, the jameen's going to get dubbed again. And this is right. So now people are coming around, including my own dad. Yeah. And wouldn't you rather have that money here and invest it here into like properties in front of your own eyes? At least you know where they're safe rather than in farming land there, which your relatives might have half an eye, if not both eyes on. So that's the alternative. Holy, 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 people are coming around to that when they've seen other experiences. Aparebande are not proactive. We're very reactive as a community. We wait for the pataka to pay, like I did with my heart attack. Yeah. But if we'd listened to you and been proactive and preventive, I wouldn't have ended up there. This is what we'll do. We'll wait for someone to lose their jameen and get murdered over it. Yeah, And then... We'll say, oh my God, I've got to go to You know this approach that you've done in terms of your, your activism? You've always been very active. I've tried to be. And you've said it around there. And, you know, there's been, especially when we did the podcast first, we were talking about the farm, uh, farm the farmers uh, strike still happening. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, from where it where it was to where it is now, there's it, it's been a lifetime has gone quiet in certain yeah. times around it. You're also active in the, the Roland Kander case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Try to be, yeah. yeah th that came around. And also, you've been, um, you know, you, you, you've been on your opinions around immigration and especially around Punjab politics as well yeah, at the yeah. same time. In each of those cases that I've mentioned, what are the key takeaways that people need to consider and what you learned the most? I learned this, yeah. If you sit there and watch injustice happen, you're pretty much just as much part of the problem. 
When something bad happens, you need to call it out. And if we collectively call it out as a community, there's no gang bigger than us. A handful of people who are in these gangs who try and run things, whether they're politicians, whether they're gangsters, yeah, whether it's the opposition party, they rely on us being disunited, not united, and they rely on us getting scared. And they also rely on our Sanugi mentality. Well, nothing does Sanugi. The problem is, if we go around saying Sanugi to every problem, yeah, when people want help, yeah, when it happens to us, what do you think the others are going to say? Sanugi. And then we come stuck. And then And then the first question someone asks us, Whereas really, we need to call injustice out. And I'm a human rights lawyer. And that's essentially what I do. And it doesn't matter whether it's happening to my community or other communities. Yeah, then I, I call that out as it is. And it's not easy. My key takeaway is, look, if you don't want to put yourself on the front line, then don't do it. I know, it's quite simple. Then be quiet. If you're 100% safe that it's not going to happen to you, then fine, then you don't need to do it. But if you want to do something and speak out against injustice or want to have a good night's sleep and have your conscience clear, then that's brilliant. There's no softer pillow than a clear conscience. I'll tell you that now. So that's the softest pillow you can find. And it's our fathers. And if we back to those people who are fighting injustices in our community, then we'd get things done. We don't get things done because we we don't feel that big out there. We're like a nomadic community. Yeah? We migrate there first, yeah, from India. Yeah? Drugs, alcohol, booze, office, bookies, yeah. Can't even keep our own streets clean, yeah. When we get a bit of money, yeah, we then move. Right? Then we stand there, and guess what we do? We point at Hansworth and Smovic and say, Look, yeah? you come from there, you barred the gun. You left it as opposed to cleaning your own shit up in your own communities, yeah? And now you're pointing at it and degrading that area. If we want to, like, um, go ahead to Draki as a community, yeah? Um, we want to succeed. We have to learn one thing, how to clean our own areas up, in which we've bargained. In our areas, bro, the Gore didn't bargain. If people point and look at the gun, Smedek's Gore and Atenig and the Baya. Hansworth's Gore and Atenig and the Baya. Westbrook's Gore and Atenig and the Baya. We've moved on because we've got a bit bucks. The people who haven't made the bucks, they're still there. Or the people who are still associated with the community, our mothers and fathers, are still there. Now, we're happy to move to Solihull but we're in lovely, nice green areas. But our mum and dads, we're happy for to leave them in the gun. Aren't we? Right. And we didn't think that... Whereas if we had kept Southall clean or Smevik and Hansworth clean... There'd be brilliant areas to live in. And we wouldn't have to worry about that. There wouldn't be crime hotspots. There wouldn't be immigrant hubs. There'd still be a very vibrant community. Yeah? So this is what we need to do. We need to clean up our own areas first. And I've always believed in that. That's why I spent 16 years in, um, uh, on Havelock Road on the corner of King Street and Havelock Road. That is the hoodiest place 
or Southall. The hood. When I looked out my window, all I saw were prostitutes, alcoholics, drug users. To the extent that drug users would sit on them benches near the Gordara, they'd roll their sleeves up, to pop a vein. You know how it works. Yeah? And they'd do that in front of women and children walking past. It got to such an extent that I didn't want to go to work. And after 16 years, then I moved out. Even here in Birmingham, when I opened my office, I was right next to some of it Godara. I didn't go to Colmore Road no. and open my phone. I can do. I'm the most well-known immigration lawyer in the UK. Right? I can do. I can go in the city and go Lincoln's Inn and sit there. I didn't. I'm in Hounslow. Right? And even now, where are we sitting? West Brom on the high street, next to where Desi Junction used to be. Right? <laughs> it's not, it's not, I'm not in like, you know, Colmore Road or Smithfields or somewhere like that, yeah? or Saturn or whatever. I'm in my community, listening to the problems of our community, trying to solve it, trying to be part of that. That's what we need to do, instead of leg it at every opportunity. How far are you lot going to move? Where are you going to move to? This is an island. What are you going to do? Agueta Samundaria. You can move to Brighton. You can move as far as Scotland. Where are you going to go? Canada? Where are you going to go? Why don't we clean up our own areas and make them attractive to live in? Which they can be done. All it requires is a bit of safari. We can collectively get rid of the drugs and alcohol problem. We can support the people who need help. And we can make our stuff crime-free. Rather than making our children grow up in areas where they turn out to be influenced by criminals and drug users and, you know, abusers. Why do we want that? Why would you want that? You know, it's a simple question. If someone kind of did a poo-poo on your floor, you'd clean it up, wouldn't you? You've seen a dog. A kutta has enough sense to know I've got to clean the area where I'm going to park my backside and where I'm going to sit. And yet, what do we do? We haven't got the sense to clean up our own areas. Look at all our hoodie areas, the immigrant areas. It doesn't matter where you go. You can go Ilford Lane. It's the same problem. You can go Manchester. It's a still, still the same problem. You can go Bradford. Same problem. Luton. You can go. You can go Falls Hill Road. Yeah? Same problem where people go, oh, a bit hoodie. Uh, and this is the same reason what you've got to do clean our areas make them somewhere to live again and make our community community hubs rather than places where people look down on don't move out and then sneer down on that area because my first question would be what did you do to clean your area up and the answer will be nothing we ran the future of activism Especially, it's a little bit scary online in terms of what's oh, going on. Yeah. You're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you foresee then, the, the future like that, especially over the next coming years? I'll tell you something, yeah. Everything is monitored. When I did the Kassan's protest, and I was quite at the forefront of that movement, remember we did Kassan's in need, I did a six-hour special, um, you know, Frenzy came on, we had quite a few people on, Benny came on, and um, a lot of people who came on and talked about it. and um, So I was at the forefront of the movement and I was tweeting Muddi and my tweets went viral, the ones that were where I replied to Muddi and stuff like that. That was a scary time. I'll tell you why it was scary. 
I didn't think of it as that that'd be scary enough. All right, freedom of press, we can say what we want, freedom of media. Who's monitoring this yet? That shouldn't affect it. I can say what I want. In this country, I can criticise whoever I want. Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer, I haven't got to worry about going to sleep. I got a phone call from Delhi saying, you're a job, I'm going to say, yeah, but we're monitoring your activism. If you want to come to India again, you better tone it down, son. And that's the first time I sort of thought, you need to like think about this. And then I thought, you know what? I've started something now. Why should I tone it down? Yeah. For the next two years, I only went to India. <laughs> this is a guy who goes six times a year. So I thought the only time then I decided to go to India was when Modi apologised to the farmers and withdrew <laughs> the whole laws and all that. Then I thought, right, now it's all right. Now everyone's admitted. Now they can't say anything. We're going to go to India. Otherwise, I was thinking, no, man, all it's going to take is someone to bump you off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's when I first started thinking, right, activism is a bit scary. Now, when I go on channels like GB News and Talk TV and people ask me, why do you go on? Because their viewers are right-wing and possibly racist and all that. Right. And I'll tell you something. After I've been on them channels, you should see my Twitter feed. It's full of the most racist abuse. And I put it online once. People say to me, why, is an Im why are these immigration lawyers always um, immigrants themselves? Mm. And I'm like, I'm born in Rolford. I went to like, uni in Kingston. How much more British do you want to be? Or do I want to be? You know? And like, um, the kids are born here. Everyone's here. You know, I'm born here. Right. Or he just wants more of his immigrant stock over. Yeah. I've been called the P word. I've been called all sorts of words. Yeah. Online. Like, like trolled. By racists. That really messes with your head. You think, I go to all of that trouble. And men will go up in here. And when people say we want to be written like it was in the 70s and the 80s, I don't, mate. I went to an all-Gora school. I was the only Indian in my whole school in 1,200 peoples. I used to get a kick in every other week. I used to get called the P-word every day. I don't want to return to them times. Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids to go through that. Are you crazy? You want Britain to be like in the 70s? Depends who you are. If you were a racist in the 70s, you'd probably love it. And if you're a racist now, but if you were someone like me, who had to grow up with that, you don't want that, right? We don't want that for our kids. I see that thinking and I think, right, come on, man, it can't be that bad. And they're not one, not two, mate. They're in there, thousands. And then they think, well, why do you go on? Because of this, if you're not in the conversation, you, you don't have your voice heard. In order for you lot to listen to us, there has to be two of us speaking. And we have to have a conversation. If I say, Ricky, Mather, then it's sure that on any. How is your audience going to know Right, or I'm going to say, Ricky, your, every single one of your views is opposed to me. We're going to end up arguing. But then how am I going to influence any of your viewers to like, agree with me or like, to even hear Mark's side of the argument? That's why I've also, we've got to listen. So we've got to sit down and listen to these people like the Farages and the Jacob Rees-Mogg's, yeah? And we've got to be called them out. We've got to call them out. But you know when you debate them? Yeah. You know when they go behind the scenes or anything in the green room? Yeah. Are they exactly the same person? No, they're quite right, actually. They're right. They're sort of quite laughy and jokey. So me and Richard Price, right, you know, we're like, right, Richard, can you keep one of that and all but that? But do you try and, like, do you... Does he understand and agree with, in terms of what, where you're coming from, or is it just, is it just the These front? are pi private school educated people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are intelligent people. They're not like us. They're not GCSE field magma. Yeah? They're not D graders. Yeah? Their mum and dads were paying 10, 12 grand fees a year for them to go to school. 
back in the 70s and 80s, yeah? If you think they don't know what they're talking about, then we're the stupid ones. They know, but they, everyone is laced with agendas. Politicians in India, all you can see sort of there, I know when they say stuff, they know exactly what they're on about. Yeah. They know they have agendas. They've got a suit saying what their party says. They've, yeah. got, a, they've got a mission. They want to fulfill their mission. Up a, a bit like what we say now, yeah? I'll say I'll be the same off it. Hannah? Like, I was, you was the same 15 years ago, your views, and they'll be the same now. We might have changed our views because of our life experiences, yeah, yeah, yeah. but essentially we're not totally different blokes. We're not, there's no charade, there's no mask, yeah. right? Yeah. That kind of, but yeah, a lot of people wear a lot of masks on TV. And that's where, when you think, and you go, actually, you're not, you're not an arsehole, mate. You're quite all right. I know you know what you're doing. But then I think, that makes him even more dangerous. It does. I was in, I'm, you know, we're going to bring it to a close in a second, but I used to do, well, I did my politics degree and I, and I did um, some time at Whitehall. Yeah. And um, I got taken over by Harry Mann, this guy, brilliant, he was a lecturer at LSE. Yeah. Went over to this opposite, um, where Big Ben is, mm-hmm. there's a home office uh, building across it. That's right, yeah. Went in there and um, I was like, I saw Labour sitting with Conservative on the same table and I was like, they can't be doing that. I'll go, I need to take a, picture i didn't realize it was part of the game cool part of the game that they're all friends well half of them are related yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. in india you have opposing mps and all other dinner. but in the stage they swear and slag each other off 100%. and it went and that's when i realized that it was just the game yeah, politics uh, it's a difficult thing to understand Hadar, we're coming to the end now and as you oh. know uh on the bandwagon i ask the guest is there a bandwagon that they want to jump on? Is there a bandwagon that they want to jump off? Or is there anything that they want to get off the chest? Then this is your space to do so. I jumped on a bandwagon a little bit because I've been on my films, right? Yes. So, so I've jumped on that bandwagon, right? So I got a phone call. You know how, I don't know if I told you this story, but basically I never pick up withheld numbers, yeah? I'm lucky if I return anyone's call or message, as you know. Yeah. Right, right, right. So I'm a bit like I usually voice note, yeah? So what happens is... um. That's my claim to fame. I taught the Punjabi world how to voice note. That's one thing. Right, so, because um, I thought I'm not sitting there typing this out. What a waste of time. Right, got a phone call on a Saturday and I thought I'd pick it up. Hello, sir, I'm calling from Mumbai. And I thought, ah, shit, I bet he wants Salal. I can't even hang up to him now because he's all better like this. I feel bad. And he goes, sir, I'm a, I said, oh, what do you want? Do you want advice? He goes, no. He goes, sir, I'm a director in a, uh, Bollywood. And I said, okay. And I said, what do you want to scam the crew while it's lalani honey at Dakushlani honey about how to pandeg it and all that? And he goes, no. And every question I'd say, what visa advice do you want? He said, will you stop talking about visas? And I said, well, what do you want from me? And he goes, I'm directing a film. Yeah. And it's got Jimmy Shagel, Neil Bajo, Sankun Mehta in it. Yeah. And we want you in our film. And I said, are you having a laugh? And I said, it's Saturday, two o'clock. And I said, look, I have to have a little bit And they go, and they go, Oh, um, we're not having a laugh. He goes, what happened is we're making a film. We saw your videos online and we were going to get a character to play you, an actor to play you, your character. And then he goes, our writer goes, well, why don't you just ask him? And we thought, all right, we'll ask you. We've got your number of X person in the UK. And we want you to. I said, oh, I mean, let me check you lot out. So I said, yeah. And then, oh, like Jimmy Shagel, mate. He's worked with Amitabh Bachchan and Ritik Roshan and all that, you know. And I said, I said, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm not an actor. And they go, no, we've seen your videos, we think you're perfect. I said, what's the role? He said, you've got to play yourself. You'll be playing yourself, you'll be called yourself, you'll be playing her job, the key. I said, we went, he get her like, um, 
checked them all out. They were legit. I went to Canada, Calgary, and um, first day I turned up on set, that's when the guy who was shooting a film said to me, are you the YouTube immigration guy? <laughs> and Neil Bardwell's on set. And she goes, you came to you from the UK to shoot this film? I said, yeah. She's like, wow. And like, because I'd previously interviewed Neil for Punjab 2000, yeah. right? And so like, um, yeah, and like, uh, started shooting. And I remember the first day, like I was on set, my first scene was Jimmy Shaver was a builder and I had to call him down. I was saying, I found a girl from him, from Murray, yeah? And like, I couldn't get into the scenes of it, yeah. And then Jimmy took me aside. He goes, yeah. Then I did that, yeah. And to be fair, and I'll tell you a lot now, yeah. I thought, my sneaky, yeah, right? And that sneaky one turned into my door, yeah. Mate, I aced it. I aced it with one shot. I aced it in one take. I aced the whole thing in one take. And Jimmy was just looking at me. I thought, I know what you run on now. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm nervous. And I'm in the hub come with this year. Since then, me and Jimmy are very good friends. We're like we're brothers. We shot films. I've done three films of him. I've just done a Bollywood film with Pornam Dillon, Ellie Avram, Charlotte Saxana. And we had to speak Hindi. So, yeah, I've jumped onto that band. I thought, if the singers can do it, why can't the games do it as well, eh? Dom, you're the only person in 100 episodes who's actually turned around and said they've jumped on a bandwagon. Yeah, am I? Yeah, that's why he's the OG. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's the OG. Yeah, I did jump on that bandwagon, and I thought, you know what? If anyone, if anyone can do it, you're going there. You all got to there. Why can't we UK-born people, even the ones who aren't used to being on a camera, why can't we go out and achieve our dreams? I grew up on films. I'm a filmy kid. Mm-hmm. Being a chance to play myself in a film, where do you see that? That's only you know, like that's like me and Mr. King playing me and Mr. Yeah. So for me, it's like a. A dream come true and now I'm doing quite a few films I've got a few projects this year people are appreciating my sort of stuff I'm not I'm not going to give up the day job I'm still doing the whole visas and human rights sort of thing but um it's a nice little thing sort of side thing to have you know it's like to be searchable on Netflix yeah yeah to have your name in the credits to play myself you know and like in our latest film I play Jimmy's boss I play a cafe owner well we shot here in uh, just in Stoke so um it was a uh, Quite good, man. It was a very good experience. Looking forward to doing more. And uh, it's great. Uh, you know, it's sort of a very superficial world, yeah? And it's hard being real in there, yeah? But, like I said, it's not my day job. If it, if it was my day job, you'd see a different job. I'd have to put a face on and pretend and talk like this and be, yeah, man, I just love Bollywood and all that. <laughs> nah, mate, we're just ourselves, really, just being ourselves. I put this here, you know, and I'll do my stuff. And it's all right. I, it's a, something different I have a passion for and doing it. And I'm, you know, it's like a God's little reward, I think, for mm. me saying, look, this is your Punjabi films and Punjabi language and give you know you can do a chance to do something with it Hadar a big thank you and really appreciate it for all the support that you've given over the over the years from pre this and you know for what you do and, and where you've gone to and leading that pathway for everybody else to go through is, is absolutely amazing I really appreciate it yes and you lot deserve respect because you were starting podcasts when people didn't even know what a podcast was half the upcoming community don't still don't know what it is oh, yeah so the elders don't know what it is <laughs> yeah you're right so you know all and not just you a lot of the other people yeah there's loads, there's loads there. yeah, yeah. and my thing once again is if you want to be listened to everyone's got their individual spaces but and i know this is something you've tried to do in the past mm. yeah and mm. I'm, i want you to lead on this mm. and i'm with you on this get all that asian podcasters together get all us this people ones together at least 
Hannah, let's just have a mass sort of interview with each other, question and answer session. It would be mental. The stories that would come out, you know? Adopt. It would be crazy. It's going to happen. Can so you imagine? Get about right. You need to get this out. Get this all year, the boys in. Get Satin. Yeah. Get um, Bainsy and all that. Yeah. Insane guys. You know, get, get, uh, get a few of the ladies in. It would be mental. Let's have a free-for-all, uncensored, unfiltered. It's going to be like a Mega Miller of the podcast. I'll host it. And watch all the questions that ask them. Feel us least all the end. Gloomy and other, yeah. But it would be bloody brilliant if we could do that. And then on serious issues, whether it's the Ronan Kanda case, mm. whether it's about alcoholism, whether it's about abuse, whether it's about child abuse and sexual abuse, we will have a collective platform and a collective voice. You're only going to get heard people if you the louder your voices then the bigger your reach the more you're, you're going to get taken seriously by governments by local councils by the community we have that power and we have that we just have everyone's just pulling in their own little directions for their own little agendas yeah but the fact is that agenda should be to leave our community in a better place than where we found it that's the only agenda to make this place a better place for the people we leave behind whether that's our children whether it's their children whether it's our nephews and nieces and, you know, whether it's our brothers and sisters, whether it's for even people that we don't know, we can leave this place a much better place than what we found it. Thank you, bro. No, I was the only one who said... Yeah, you're the only one ever. Only one ever. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.